everybody, and welcome to a special Labor Day edition of the Online Warriors podcast. My name is Nerd Bomber, and I am joined by Tactic, my lovely co-host. Hello, it is just the two of us. We can make it if we try. No, okay. Illegal is out celebrating the holiday, so we are holding down the fort he's today. He's getting crunk. Guys, he's crunk. Full crunk. Crazy drunk. Is that how you celebrate Labor Day? In the U.S. at least. For for those of you who don't know, Labor Day is a United States holiday where most people get off of work. Not everybody, but a lot of people get off of work. And it's kind of like the official goodbye to summer. But over here, it doesn't really feel like a goodbye to summer. It's still, you know, very warm, yeah, very sunny. Warmer. Yeah. Tactic, how do you like to celebrate your Labor Day? Interestingly enough, and I, and I always find it absolutely hilarious. So like Labor Day is supposed to be like taking a day from labor but everybody literally does it for things around the house you know that's where i put off mowing the lawn for this week and that's just what always happens it's even it's it's hilarious to me too because you always see these home improvement stores that are like do your labor day right do it with insert store name here and it's just that you can't get away from the labor everyone's gotta that's that's all i do see i feel like labor day itself because it always falls on a monday like, that's not the day that you get together with people. So that's not really the day that we celebrate Labor Day because we have to go to work the next day. And that, that's just not a good time. Like, you can't get crazy when you have to wake up early the next day and go to work. Petition so, to move Labor Day to Friday. Okay. Let's do it. But I like to celebrate Saturday, Sunday, get some good picnic, barbecue action going, play some cool yard games, which is something that I'll talk to you guys about in our What Are You Up To? I've found a really cool new game. If you already know the game, it's not new to you, but it's new to me. And I think it's really cool. But I, I just like a, a standard barbecue, you know, get together, enjoy the sunshine, have a good time, eat some burgers, hot dogs, veggie dogs, if that's what you're into. You know, no judgment here. I like to also then like swim. It's usually the last hurrah for our pool. We'll close it down usually next weekend. But this is like the last weekend that we get to enjoy the pool and luckily this year, the weather did cooperate with us. So. Yeah, she's a lot tougher than I am. I'm a big baby when, at this time of the year, so when the weather's too cold for me. So I'll float every now and then, but boy, is my big toe just like barely skimming the, the surface of that water. No, I can float all day. Well, enough about Labor Day. We have a chock full episode for you guys. We're going to be talking about a new game announcement trailer, or rather a re-announcement of a game. We're going to be talking about a few new gaming handheld devices. And we're also going to talk about the SAG after strike potentially making its way into the gaming world. We'll start off with a reintroduction and a new trailer to a game that we've heard of before. We knew it's been in development since about 2020, or I believe that was the initial release date. It's been stuck in development hell for a while, but Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 got reannounced with a new trailer and a new studio at the helm. It's now being developed by the Chinese Room, a sumo digital studio, and it's supposedly now back on track. We'll see more gameplay in 2024 and they're hoping to release the game by the end of 2024 on consoles as i mentioned this was something that had been in development for a while we've seen bits and pieces of it the old studio that was developing the game got dropped just because of you know development hell and now it seems like it might be back on track tactic what did you think of this game the premise is absolutely fantastic you're as she said you're a vampire you're struggling to survive and kind of move about the city and stay in power, so to speak. But 
all of this is happening while maintaining a level of stealth because at the end of the day, as a vampire, the majority of your power comes from remaining in the shadows. You, If people know that vampires are real, your power goes away. And so not only do you have to you know, continue to survive and maintain on the top of the food chain, but you got to do it with a stealth level to it. And that's absolutely badass. Because honestly, if vampires, if you guys are doing your thing around here, that would be your MO. Kind of stay stick to the shadows because honestly, murdering people for food is kind of messed up. So it tracks. I do like the idea of, you know, the politics behind different sects of vampires. And apparently you'll be taking the role of like an elder vampire who's trying to, you know, balance their, you know, obviously bloodlust and their need to stay in power because it seems like younger vampires are trying to like take your position. In terms of the gameplay, this seemed really like fluid. And I don't know if it's just because it's an early trailer. And I know they say that we're going to see more gameplay later in like January 2024 timeframe. But to me, this seemed like something I would probably be interested in playing. It seemed like a combo of like stealth, but also that first person kind of like action RPG hand to hand combat sort of deal and if anybody knows the games that i like to play that is like right up my alley i'm wondering how spooky scary it will be because like i've played stuff obviously like left for dead and i feel like as long as i'm in enough control and there's not you know jump scares and stuff like that i feel like i can keep my cool and play slightly spooky games and i feel like with this because you are playing a vampire then there you have that semblance of control you know you're not just the victim hoping to stay alive you are the person in power so this might actually be something i would be willing to pick up and try this is going to sound like like a like a dig on this game but it's not it's actually a, a pro I honestly think the like feel of the vampires and the clans in that is going to be reminiscent of Twilight. Now, put the romance aside for a second. Let's just talk about the vampires and the way that they operated. There were the Cullens. They did things, you know, above the book. They they kind of kept to the shadows. They assimilated in, into society. But there were also vampires that were more like didn't give a what what, took down who they wanted to take down, and like even like multiplied and so and then you had the vulturi who was like the overseeing vampire yeah and so uh, yeah right and this goes back to the hierarchy so like honestly twilight did vampires very well and if you also again look at the way they fought look at how they had like the all of a sudden they were like there because they were super speed like i think there's going to be potential for those kind of jump moves but it's all going to be like an intimidation rather than a horror vibe do you think that we missed out? Like, do you think that the Twilight franchise should have been licensed out as a video game? Like, and now I'm envisioning this Twilight game where maybe you're not, you know, a Cullen or whatever, but you're like a newborn vampire and maybe you get to make decisions like a, um, I don't want to compare it to like a Bioware Bethesda, Absolutely not. but like you make decisions, you join a clan and then that like drives the story. Don't even call it Twilight then. Just call it some tangential vampire. Well, no, thing. like you could join the Cullens or you could join the Vulturi or you could join one of the like tangential bad groups of vampires and you would have to make the decision between whether you wanted to like only eat deer like the Cullens did or whether you wanted to like pursue humans and it could influence the way that the game changed. I feel like that had the potential to be cool. And we let me, to let me add like a little detail that and I, I'm kind of getting with you right now. Also, remember they all had unique powers. Right? I mean, one of them can manipulate the elements. So, okay. Okay. 
like I'm there was you. the potential for a cool video game there and uh stephanie meyer if you're just chilling at home and you want to resurrect the twilight franchise i mean we know you're already doing it you're making a what was that a, a reboot tv show maybe a, a reboot tv show video game time because i would probably play something like that because hey no judgment i like twilight and the character customization has to be important you have to let them pick what their ability is and everything. Well, I mean, obviously, I feel like what it would be like, you know, when you start Skyrim and you can like kind of pick your character's class and background and all that kind of stuff, like you could set it up that way. And then it's almost like the beginning of Skyrim where you wake up and you're kind of like, you don't know who you are or anything like that. And then from there, you get to like build your own story, develop your own powers, I'm make in. your own take alliances. I'm in. Just take my money. That said, if this game is even AIOTA like that, I will also be playing it. Now, are we worried at all about, you know, developers changing hands here? Like, I feel like that doesn't bode well, though, for the overall, like, end product. But maybe I'm wrong. Like, because from what I've heard, they didn't completely reboot it. This new studio is coming in to, like, finish the job. And I just wonder how seamless of a transition that will be, how much of the original direction got thrown out. How Like, I, I don't know. I, I worry a little bit about the development held this one through. I don't. I, I think if they, and this is maybe, I'm choosing my words carefully here, but I think if they care about the game, and that's what's really important, they'll take their time. To, it might get delayed a little bit to try to kind of wash away some of the previous actions that were, you know, maybe they didn't like things or they, they wanted a different direction, whatever. But I, I don't think it's going to make the game bad. I think worst case scenario, there's a little bit of a delay. But other than that, I because at the end of the day, you have to consider the new developers. Now their name's tied to it. So they care right. about what the product is. They're not just going to make some Frankenstein's monster of the old and the new, smush them together and release it. Yeah, but sometimes it's not up to the developer. Like the developers will come in and they want to fix the game. They want to make it as good as it can be. But the publisher is demanding certain deadlines. And at the end of the day, like they have to make do with what they've got. That's more, I guess, what I'm worried about. But we'll see. And hopefully when we see more gameplay in January, you know, we'll get a better sense for how the game looks. But right now I'm cautiously optimistic and also really want to pitch this Twilight game. Like, I think this could be legit, guys. Can we like start a petition, like maybe kickstart? Tactic, you're building a video game. Make this happen. Oh, but I want to do side scrollers. This is 100% RPG. I'm just saying, make this happen because I would play it. I'll have my people talk to your people. All right, so staying in the realm of video games, we're going to be talking about, I mean, I guess this entire episode is video games, but we're going to be talking about different devices that are going to be hitting the market that have been recently announced. So we're all familiar with the Steam Deck, I feel like, by this point. And, you know, there have been a few other games like the Rogue Ally, but now we have two new handheld devices joining the market. The first is the Lenovo Legion Go, and this is a little bit more like the Switch in terms of its form factor in that it's got a main tablet of a screen and it obviously has controls on either side of the screen, but you can remove almost like a the Switch, what is it called? The remote? Joy-Con. Thank you. It almost looks like it has Joy-Cons on the edge and you can take those off. You can dock it. It's got a little kickstand on the back of the screen so you can play it with the, the detachable controllers while it's docked or on a table or whatnot, which lends itself to, you know, co-op play, two-player play action. But one of the other interesting things about it was that supposedly you could put one of the controllers in a little dock thing 
and use it as a mouse in FPS mode, which would apparently help you mimic, you know, the DPI of an actual mouse playing a first person shooter. What are your thoughts on that one? Now, I know it's running Windows 11, so obviously you'd be able to, you know, project the screen to any smart devices. But you actually read that there was a docking station. Well, not that there's a docking station, but that you can like plug it in to a TV. But yeah, so even if you even if you couldn't didn't want to plug it in, an added bonus is based on the fact that it is running Windows 11 that you could screen mirror to a to a smart TV, which shows that this is going to have options. And that is what is most exciting to me is that it takes all the best parts about the Switch and even addressed the drift issues because they're using Hall Effect joysticks, guys. So no drift. So they've taken everything that was bad with the Switch and said, I see you and implemented a change in this. And that's awesome because then on the other side of it, they took everything that was bad with the Steam Deck, which was you're stuck with the Steam Deck. You can't remove the controllers. You can't uncrane your neck, so to speak. See, so for me, as someone who owns the Steam Deck, I don't know if that's really an issue for me. Like if I'm going to play on my Steam Deck and like dock it to a TV, and I'm, I'm using the word dock very liberally, I'm sure there's going to be third party docks for the Lenovo Legion Go. There are third party docks and even first party docks now for the, the Steam Deck. But I would probably prefer to play on an actual Bluetooth controller like I would on my PC. And I guess, you know, the portability aspect, like you don't have to pack that then if you're taking your Lenovo Legion Go, you can just use those controllers. But for me, like, I don't know how much use that would be in my house because that's usually where I play my Steam Deck the most is in my house. So I don't know if that's necessarily a big improvement for me and not a giant selling point. I will say, you know, having Windows 11 as the operating system is definitely a huge boon because I feel like Windows 11 is just a lot easier for gaming. And The Steam Deck, while it does a really good job of, you know, being very flexible, there are a lot of workarounds necessary because it is running Linux. And so not every game is going to work flawlessly. And you do have to do a little bit extra work to make all of your games, all of the game launchers work with the Steam Deck. And that'll be nice to get rid of, you know, that necessity. However, and while the Lenovo device here seems like probably the first real competitor in my mind to the Steam Deck because the Rogue Ally is very nice, but it's the same price as this Lenovo Legion Go. The price is still the biggest thing. Like I can get into the Steam Deck for $399 and when they have their summer sale or their Steam Deck anniversary sale, you can get into it much cheaper. And these devices are a few hundred dollars more. And I don't know, that's just... I feel like at the price point, you can spend a few hundred dollars more and get a really slamming desktop or laptop. That is my struggle with these. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was mentioned yet, but the the price for the Lenovo Legion is six ninety nine. So, but it's it is a bit bit steep. I will I will side with you there. But this is probably like a little behind the curtain for you listeners. My hands fall asleep and my neck starts to hurt. So I can't like if I lift my hands slightly above my heart they just go numb completely. And so like being able to dock it and relax my neck is like huge to me and not need an an extra device. And that's that's sort of why that was my biggest selling point. But yeah, you do you with your Steam Deck. Well, yeah, like I said, this is probably the first real competitor in my mind, like no shade on the Rogue Ally. It just for the price point didn't seem like that big of an improvement over the Steam Deck. This definitely does for sure. But I don't know if there's enough here to justify spending an extra $300. And like I said, for $699, man, I could spend a couple hundred more and get a really banging gaming laptop plug that into a tv and 
also use it for other things other than gaming. So it's just one of those things where the price point will kind of drive the conversation for me, at least. Other people may not balk at $6.99. It might be a perfectly reasonable price. But personally, that that's just where I kind of stand on it. It's a very neat concept, though. And I do love the fact that, you know, we're getting Switch-esque devices in the PC gaming marketplace because I'm a big fan of that. I, I just I like it. I like it a lot. And the other handheld device that was announced along with its release date and the pricing was the PlayStation Portal. And this is launching November 15th. You can pre-order it now and the price is $199. Now this device is a little bit different in that it doesn't actually run any games on its own. It does have all of like your dual sense controller technology built in, but it is streaming all of your games from a PlayStation 5. So in order for this device to be used, you do need to own a PS5 and it all streams off that PS5. What do you think about this tactic? So for the price point, it's 199, which is definitely attractive when you consider the price of a PlayStation 5 controller. I believe they're set to what 80 bucks now. Yeah, about that. And and so for an extra hundred bucks, you can have a portable system. So for me, if it was, I bought my PlayStation, I'm in the market for another controller, I could spend an, another 120 bucks and get this device. That would be the only situation in where I would conceivably buy it. But as far as, you know, cloud gaming, the biggest cautionary tale to me would be the would need to be the latency. If if the latency is like seamless and it's I have this portable system, I can play all my PlayStation 5 games and and have no issues. I'm okay with this. If I didn't have any other handheld systems that I didn't love and take on the go already, Game Boy, <clears throat> then absolutely I would buy this. This is this is something that's now obtainable for, you know, kids working a summer job. However, you need to have Wi-Fi. This is not obtainable for kids working a summer job. They need Wi-Fi. Yeah, I I struggle with this one a lot. This, uh, I, I just do. I feel like all of the other PC-based handheld devices that we've seen can make use of the PlayStation streaming service like to your console. I don't know why this needs to exist. And if anybody already owns a Steam Deck, a Rogue Ally, a Lenovo Legion Go, which is a mouthful, you don't. Like you don't need this device because all of your other devices, hell, you can have a Chromebook, jack a Bluetooth controller to it, and bam, you can stream from your PS5. I just, again, I don't know why this device needs to exist. I still say this is this isn't marketed towards adult gamers. That's what it is. I think this is marketed to kids who still live at home who want to keep playing, get kicked off the TV, or go to bed. And then they just do the old cover trick where you hide under the covers and you're playing your PS5. This is not that that's that's where I think the issue is. This is a price point that's attainable for them with a summer job. And they can now play their PS5 under the covers and their their parents probably won't even know they have it. They'll just buy it on their own. I just think this is a missed opportunity. They could have resurrected the PS Vita or the PSP, given it an upgrade, basically made the games upgraded to be able to use a dual sense. And then you could actually like play games on the, the device without having to be connected to Wi-Fi and your PS5 didn't need to be running at home. And then it could also double as your PS5 remote streaming device as well. But I think, you know, there's a big loss here not having some onboard game ability to this device. I just don't know why it's necessary. You are on fire with fantastic ideas. That's that's what this is really missing to engage us yeah. as live it. Our, we play games when we want to play games because we own our own house kind of situation. Yeah, I think they needed to make this like the PS Vita 2 or something like that. 
and just a missed opportunity. I'm eager to see, like, I never want to see anything fail, you know? So I'm eager to see if this will get well-received by the gaming community and how, you know, how often it'll be adopted. I just personally don't see a need for something like this. But hey, you do you, PlayStation. You do you. But also listen to her for any next inventions ever, because she's absolutely right. All right. So we're going to take a bit of a break. But before we do, we want to shout out a wonderful Patreon producer of ours, Stephen Keller. He is a Patreon subscriber at the night level, which gives him guest spots on the show. He was actually on the show, what was that, last week? And he also gets to contribute to voting on our weekly game segment, which unfortunately we don't have this week as we're only in two-player mode. But he also gets access to our secret segments and our monthly vlogs. And we hope he has a blast because we love having him on the show and talking to him and having him in our community. And if you want to be as cool as Mr. Stephen Keller, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. There's three different tiers of subscription. There's the lowly page, the knight, and of course the squire. All three levels will get you access to our monthly secret segment, but there's varying reward tiers based on how you subscribe. And, you know, it helps us keep the lights on here at Online Warrior Central. So with that, we're going to take a little bit of a break and then we'll get back into it. I'm Ryan Fonzie. This is Cameron Hagee. My name is Tony Giggles. And we're three dudes who love The Legend of Zelda and love talking about The Legend of Zelda. And if you are a Zelda fan as much as we are, then come on down and listen to your heart's content. We have a podcast that we'd like to share with you. It's called A for No, B for Yes. We cover the Legend of Zelda series, different games chapter by chapter, and we have all kinds of theories about what we see and what we've experienced in the game. Do you go through Wikipedia and look up stuff based on the things you see in the game to create theories to how it could link to other things in the world that we actually live in and not the Zelda one that was the one that was created by the people that are in the world that we actually live in right now? Because if you don't, then you should watch this because we do. Did you guys get all that? If not, oh, you didn't. Okay. So we are A for no B for... I'll stop. Hello, and we are back. Our third and final topic, we're going to be talking about what is up with SAG-AFTRA these days. And the answer to that question is they are currently looking to get authorization for a second strike against video game companies. I bet you're asking yourself, well, why? What are they looking to do? Well, honestly, well, you know what's going on in Hollywood. Well, there's also voice actors who are part of SAG-AFTRA, and they deserve fair pay. And so right now, they're looking to potentially set up a strike within the video game industry to make sure that these negotiations do not hit a stalemate. And this is honestly, keep going, keep going because unions are good and people need to be fairly compensated. I'm I'm always going to be pro all of this, period. And I'm really excited for this because I understand, you know, there's a lot of games where there's no voice acting, you know, text comes up on the screen, you're reading the dialogue. 
But there is something to be said about voice acting taking a game to a next level. And especially when we're talking about very cinematic games like your Spider-Man, your God of War tier games. Um, Sadly, these are all Sony, but like your Gears of War, your Halo, all of those cutscenes that are beautifully voice acted. The cinematic nature of those games, like something would be lost if there's just text going across the bottom of your screen. You know, you see the lips moving, but you don't hear anything. They just add an emotional and impactful punch to video games, especially the cinematic ones. And so I think this is very important. And again, I understand there are a lot of video games where dialogue all happens in text, but especially as video games is becoming such a big industry and people who aren't traditional quote unquote gamers are starting to dip their toes into the world of gaming. I think that, you know, these very cinematic games that tell soulful, heartful stories need voice acting and our voice actors need to be compensated for the beautiful work that they're doing. And it even goes further beyond just fair compensation. It's also for protection against artificial intelligence. I mean, we've we've speculated with the voice acting of Mario in previous episodes, you know, their jobs are truly at risk for just AI simulating voices. And then the other side of it is mocap. They can just also do the same thing. And there's something to be lost. And it's beyond just like, people's jobs it's there's an art to what they do and i don't think we're at a point and i don't ever want to be that point where ai can just take everyone's job and i mean i'm sure you guys have heard ai talking in some capacity because now you know there's so many like ai voiceovers and they it just isn't right it doesn't feel right it's almost like the uncanny valley effect with you know their image but something about it just doesn't feel right in the speech pattern anything so like tactics said, there's an art there and the art deserves to live and ai should not be replacing art because it that just sucks there's a reason when we call customer service we're screaming into the phone speak to a person and it still says i don't understand you yep <laughs> so we're all for this i don't know if there's super much to be said about this but just a heads up that another strike might be incoming and we would fully support it if negotiations can't be resolved prior to a strike with that we're going to move into our what are you up to wednesday segment technic why don't you go first what have you been up to in this past week so one of the things that i've been up to and i've been really excited for like i literally and and i apologize if i'm stealing yours but i literally have stopped mowing to talk to you about murder my murder mystery theories i have and it's to the point where where nerd bomber is keeps going let's just finish watching and the shows and seeing all of the different sides of the story i love this show is this is so the after party yes i love the show the after party i just call it the murder mystery because it is our murder mystery but it is so good so they they have another season out and there's a new murder and it's the same quips one-liners fun banter but also murder that we saw in the first season with a new murder and so there's twist around every corner it's really fun to speculate And we're having a really good time with it. I think one of the things that I like about this second season too, and I can't remember if they did this in the first season. So in both seasons, they go one by one. Like there's a murder. And the reason why it's called the after party is because it always tends to happen at an after party of another party. And everybody who's present is being interrogated 
one by one. So each episode focuses on a different person's perspective of how the events transpired. And I can't remember if they did this in season one, but I don't think so. But in season two, every episode is filmed in a different style. They did this with the first one. Did they? It's like it feels like a different genre of you know, movie almost each episode. And it's just really enthralling and a really interesting way. Remember one episode was even animated in season one? Was it? I can't yeah. remember. That was so long ago. Either way then, both seasons, fantastic. I really think it's it's very original. It's an interesting look at all of the different, you know, cinematic styles throughout history, how people kind of perceive their own, you know, main character experience, if you will. I just really like it, man. By the way, I think my... My main character story is is very brooding and dark. You think? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I see myself as a as a Batman like character. Huh. Good to know. Good to know. Is there anything else that you've been up to? Feel free to pass the baton if not. The one other thing is, guys, stay strong. It's allergy season. End of the season. Ragweed punches me in the face. And with that, I hand it over. All right. So my biggest thing that I've been doing this week is playing a Finnish yard game called Mulkey. And this is something I had never heard of until a few weeks ago. And the first time I played it, I immediately had to run out and buy it. So this is like kind of a cross between cornhole and bowling, I would say. So essentially you have a bunch of Skittles, which is what they call the pins, and they range in value from one to 12. And you set them up in a specific order. And then you have this big, like really big diameter wooden dowel that you throw from about 10 feet away at the cluster of pins. And if you knock one pin over, you get the value of that pin. So say you knocked over the six pin, you would add six to your score. But if you knock over more than one pin, then you add the quantity of pins that you've knocked over to your score. So say you knocked over the six and the 10, you would only add two to your score because you knocked over two pins. And you basically keep going like round robin style, take turns throwing at pins. And one of the cool things is too, you know, you re-rack the pin where it falls. So it starts, everything is clustered, but then eventually the pins start moving farther and farther away from each other. So there's strategy in whether you want to aim for a cluster and go for quantity, or if like the 12 pins hanging out in space, if you think you have good enough aim, you want to just go for it and try to get 12. But be careful because if you don't hit any pins three times in a row, you're out of the game. And so the goal of the game is to be the first person to get to 50. However, If you go over 50, if you do not get 50 by an exact amount, you get reset down to 25. So in that way, you know, no one can really run away with a game because somebody can get knocked out really easily if they miss three times or if they go over, which is very easy to do. The game just kind of levels that's background 25. And, you know, it doesn't take too long. I would say games usually run... 20 to 30 minutes, depending on the number of players that you have. You can play from anywhere from two players to however many you are patient enough to play with, or you can even split into teams. And my goal is to become so good at Mulkey that we represent the United States in the World Mulkey Championships, because right now there really isn't much United States representation. There aren't that many United States clubs for playing Mulkey, and I would like to be a Mulkey champion. Tactic, are you with me? Yes. I'm so excited. We played this a lot. I I was very enthralled by this game. And I won a lot more times than you did. Some of that was by technicality because I kept getting cocky and going for like the high number ones and then missing three times because 
you know, that that's how it do out here. But I don't know. It was a lot of fun. You can easily make your own if you didn't want to shell out the, you know, 30 to $50 that you can spend on a set. But you can find this on like Amazon. Even Kohl's had it. It's out there in the world. I fully recommend if you're a fan of yard games or tailgating or anything like that, add Mulkey to your rotation because it is a great time. All right, so with that, we're going to go get back to our Labor Day festivities. Sorry that we have a bit of a truncated episode this week and we don't have trivia, but next week, Illegal will be back with us and we will have a full episode for you. And he always waxes poetic about triangles, so you can guarantee that'll happen. I I don't want to give you a spoiler, but I also want to say he took a Nerd Bomber recommendation for like the first time in our lives. And I can't wait for him to wax poetic about how great of a recommender I am because I am. I'm so good at recommending stuff. A recommender. Recommender. Keep in touch with us. You can reach out to us at at Online Warriors One on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these days. I'm at OW Nerd Bomber. Tectic is at OW Tectic. And feel free to heckle illegal at OW Illegal 86, I believe is his name. Heckle him because he missed the episode. And we hope you guys have a wonderful week. And stay safe and keep on podcasting. (laughs) 